for me as a leader, it has to start with me. I have to, I have to eat my own cooking. I have to believe when I'm preaching and, and I have to believe it with every fiber of my being. And if I don't, nobody's going to follow me. And the organization is not going to be able to transform. We're going to engage in a bunch of activities that feel like progress, but really get us nowhere. You are listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series, where James Robert uncovers and explores some of the industry's biggest digital marketing and sales stories of success. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 268 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series and I'm excited to welcome Shane Saunders to the show. Shane is the president and CEO of Moxie Credit Union and today we're gonna dive into his digital growth journey and the lessons that he's learned along the way to empower you, to guide you, the dear listener, along your own journey of growth at your bank, at your credit union, or at your fintech. Welcome to the show, Shane. It is good to share time with you today, buddy. It is awesome to be here. Thanks for having me and uh, a big fan of your podcast. And so uh, now I'm going to be credit union famous now that I'm here. So this is awesome. Absolutely. Well, we we, <laughs> we have a global audience now. It continues to grow. I think it's in 140 countries, top 5% of all, all podcasts uh, globally in the banking space, <laughs> yeah. number four. So I'm just so awesome. grateful, you know, to have an opportunity to, to facilitate these conversations, to bring this knowledge to people, to inspire them, uh, to educate them. And I think that's a key thing as we're looking out towards the future, you know, when it comes to leadership, navigating a world of uncertainty and change at really an exponential level. Before we get there, always like to start off on a positive note. What's good? What's been going well for you? What are you feeling positive about right now as, as we're in 2023? I'll tell you what I'm most stoked about really is our uh, leadership team and kind of this uh, current trajectory of growth that we're on as, as a team, we've had, uh, we've had a lot of retirements uh, really started with my predecessor here at Moxie. I've been here two years. Uh, her name was Tracy Kerr. Great lady was here at the credit union for uh, over four decades. She retired. And then just the first six months of this year alone, We've had four key strategic retirements take place, and we've been really fortunate because for the most part, we've had some amazing internal talent that has been able to step up, step in, grab the reins, mm. and uh, sort of start their leadership journey. And it's been uh, it's been amazing to watch that the, the folks that are stepping into these roles are enthusiastic, they're driven, they're smart. Uh, they're, they're young, <laughs> they, uh, they have a lot of learning and growing to do, uh, but we're, we're kind of doing that as a, as a newly formed team doing it together yeah. and all experiencing this, uh, as just one cohesive team. And it, it's, it's really exciting. You know, when you think about leadership 
and you mentioned you've had a transformation of leadership within the organization. You use the key word, learning. I think that is a, a core trait as I'm writing Banking on Change. I, I talk about the need in the age of AI to build a culture of exponential learning to keep up with the pace of exponential change. If you think about learning and growth, you've had a tremendous experience, you know, going all the way back to your time in the Navy. Um, You actually shared something on LinkedIn and you wrote, quote, for me, the military took a shy kid with marginal self-esteem. And I think that's a key part of leadership right here. Marginal self-esteem taught him that he was far more capable than he could have imagined. It made him reach deep to find grit he didn't realize existed. And it gave him a distinct sense of pride while teaching him that we only truly succeed with the help of others. Think about that. Think about like the lessons that you've learned along your own journey of growth as a leader. Go back in your mind to the Navy and what have been kind of the key lessons that you've taken from them then and then have applied over the course of time to where you're at today? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, I think you, what you just read really hits the nail on the head in terms of none of us does this alone. We're all interconnected, interdependent. We impact people in ways that are far greater, I think, than any one of us can appreciate at any given moment. And, you know, I mean, we've we've all heard this in leadership a million times, but it is so true that every interaction you have with everyone is an opportunity to learn, engage, exchange information, and for two humans to, to grow together. And I think that's that was the key takeaway that I that I got out of the Navy and that I've I've tried to carry throughout my whole career. Certainly, you know, under no illusion that I've been perfect. I mean, there's been plenty of stumbles and bumbles along the way. Uh, but those even those are very productive, right? That's mm-hmm. an opportunity to learn and grow. And I I think all along the way, one of the key dimensions of that to sort of facilitate that learning is that ability to self-reflect and to see, uh, okay, where can I do better? If I could get in the time machine and do that over again, what would I do differently? And I think um, that was something that also was imparted in, in military service. I mean, everything you do in the military, particularly if there's problems, and we had some problems. I mean, we had a crash on a flight deck and fires and lots of challenges. All of those, the military really instilled this discipline of examining what happened, taking a step back, learning from it, and then applying that learning going forward. Mm. So becoming a lifelong learner, I think, is right at the heart of leadership. You know, that's actually one of our four elements for exponential growth. Number one is to be the light. Number two is make your bed. Number three is be a lifelong learner. Number four is own it. And, you know, one of the things when it comes to being a lifelong learner, I say sometimes you're the student, other times you're the teacher. Either way, there's always something to be learned as as progress is greater than perfection. And failure is, in fact, learning, but don't keep repeating the same mistake. You mentioned the idea of building a skill set to review what you've done, look at it objectively, and then take those lessons and apply them going forward. 
Thinking about everything that we have experienced to begin this decade, what would you recommend for the dear listener who might be in a leadership role, but they're so busy doing that they don't create space and time to just pause, to review, to reflect, to learn, think about those insights and apply them to their next iteration of doing. What's your recommendation there and how do you prevent yourself and others on your team from getting trapped in just a continuous cycle of of doing? I think it's imperative that as leaders, we find that space for that self-reflection, that self-evaluation. It has to be that that sort of quiet space where you can really focus. I'm I'm lucky in that uh, one, one of the hobbies that my wife and I have is um, small-scale sustainable farming. We have a, a whopping 11 head of cattle on like 16 acres in uh, in Oakdale, California. It's an awesome hobby to just kind of disconnect from your day-to-day, just kind of be in the moment. I start and end every day on a pasture, walking around with cows. And funny enough, I'm thinking a lot about work, but thinking about it in a different way, right? Hmm. Taking that moment to reflect on whether it was a day before or that same day or the week or the year or the month, but really to take that time and marinate a little bit on what went well, you know, what, what mistakes I made, what could I have done better? Yeah. What, you know, what blind spots did I uncover through whatever sort of time period I'm reflecting about now, you know, one thing I would not recommend is that everyone goes out and buys a farm. Don't do not do that. <laughs> it is uh, it is the worst hobby ever. I mean, it is a ton of work. Get away from the noise, get away from the electronics and just spend some time ruminating on that kind of stuff. I don't think I could do my job without that time. I, I think it would, uh, I think the stress would, overwhelm me. I I think I would make bad decisions. I think I have to have that time to really reflect, analyze, and figure out what course corrections I'm going to make. And I'll tell you, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm on that pasture where I don't think of something that I could have done just a little differently. I think that's so important. You know, as you're talking through a couple of key insights for the dear listeners to really tune into, number one, put the phone down. I think in in writing Banking on Change, which will be out in April-ish of 2023, I have an entire chapter dedicated to digital stoicism um, because... And and you're talking to a recovering digital addict, and that's not hyperbole. Like, there's, like, real addiction here that I think we need to be more mindful and aware of, particularly as leaders. But but number one, you put the phone down. Um, Number two, you're creating intentional space and time, but you're you're disconnecting to reconnect with nature. Um, And by reconnecting with nature, you're literally – inserting yourself into a different environment and as a result you're seeing 
things differently through your mind's eye. You also mentioned meditation. And I think about Keith Costello, who's been a guest on this podcast, and he's the CEO over at Locality Bank out of Florida. And he talks about his daily meditation practice um, and the importance of that as a leader, particularly in a digital world to where it's just so easy to fall into this overdrive of doing. And so the other thing too, and I love the idea of sustainable farming um, and how that is, it's complementary. Like you said, don't go out and buy a farm uh, because it's a lot of work. Uh, Absolutely. But I just think it's the intentionality of creating space in different spaces, different environments. As Dr. Benjamin Hardy, he's an organizational psychologist, he wrote a book called Willpower Doesn't Work, and he talks about the power of environment um, and how that shapes our behavior. And if we're wanting to transform our behavior as a leader or within our teams, how we can just, a simple environmental shift can do wonders there. And and that's where I want to take the conversation because, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about failure. You mentioned that as a great teacher. Failure can be a, an amazing classroom. You and a climbing partner uh, a while back, y'all made a run up the nose on El Capitan in Yosemite. <laughs> it's a 3,000-foot climb, often called the greatest rock climb in the world. And three days into it, you made it to the the tower about a little less than halfway. You spent the night. You bailed out. Yep. A lot of people could look at this and be like, that was a complete and utter failure and be like <laughs> frustrated and downtrodden. But you looked at this from a different lens, which I think is a positive. Not only that, you made some connections along the way as well. What's this story here to begin with to set some context for the dear listener? What happened with this? Yeah, th- this was a this was a great adventure. You know, I've been rock climbing for uh, probably right around three decades now, and um, I think this climb lives in the consciousness. I think of every yeah. single climber. It it is, you know, like you mentioned, it's the greatest rock climb in the world and we'll put some air quotes around that but um so my you know my whole climbing life i have i have looked at this route and it's always been one of those things like yeah you know someday someday i'll i'll sort of get around to it you know as luck would have it um when i came to work at moxie i am you know an hour and a half from from really the base of the nose, the base of that climb. Wow. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it was like this inner voice. That's like, I got no choice. I have to, I have to at least give it a calling you. (laughs) Yeah. I can't live an hour and a half from this thing and not, not give it a shot, you know, and, and I'll, I'll be back, uh, for sure. But so I started talking about this with a, um, like-minded friend of mine who, Funny enough, as a farmer in Vermont, a lot younger guy, ex-Marine, so we kind of bonded over that military background. I mean, he's, you know, he's probably half my age. And and we started talking about it. We started training, kind of following a similar regimen, but across the country. Hmm. Then he flew out, you know, about a year ago, and we did a training wall. You know, LCAP is 3,000 feet. The yep. wall that we did was uh, 1,100 feet, 
but just as like technical required the same kind of technical skills. Mm -hmm. And so we came out and, um, and we did that together as sort of, uh, you know, uh, training wheels to, to try to get our processes down and our systems down and see how we work together. We had a great time. It was hard. It was a, it was a real big challenge. And we were, it's funny. We were, I don't know, 900 feet off the ground. And we were talking about how, uh, how weird the feeling is. We would like, it's an emotional roller coaster to be up there in this environment. I would go, and, and we both had this shared experience. I would go from just stoked out of my mind, nowhere else I'd rather be than right there. Right. And like five minutes later, like terrified, just like ready to go down. Like, let's get off of this thing. And, uh, but we, we pushed through on this particular route. There were eight, uh, including us, a total of eight parties on the route. Only two parties summited. We were one of them. And so, uh, you know, a bunch of high fives and we were really stoked about the outcome and we're like, okay, let's do it. I think we can do the nose. And, uh, like another six months after that. Right. Yeah. Um, so we kept training and, and then, uh, he came out and we made a go at it. The nose has a 40% success rate Mm. or 60% failure rate. I think one of the big things I've learned is the 40% that are making it up at one point, we're probably in the 60%. Right. Right. Yeah. Like it took sort of going up, experiencing it and not quite making it when we hit the ground after bailing. Cause the situation, the reason why we bailed was we were targeting five days. We were probably on pace for five and a half to six days and right at the end of day five, uh, you know, we were checking our phones for the for the forecast. A pretty significant storm was forecasted to blow in right around day five-ish, end of day five. Yeah. And it's like um, we were at this point where everything had to go exactly right for us to summit in time to beat the storm and even then we'd be sleeping on the top of El Cap in a storm. Right. Um, and being realistic with each other in that getting to the point we were at, everything wasn't going right, <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, it, it wasn't going horrible, but it wasn't as smooth as we would have liked it. Mm. And the thing is, is there's this mounting fatigue as you're climbing this route. And as that fatigue starts settling, settling in, you're making more mistakes. You're going slower. Yeah. And so then we had that hard conversation. And what was kind of funny, you could probably relate to this, you know, two guys standing on a ledge, neither one of them want to call it, you know? And, uh, yep. and so it was a little bit of a negotiation there, but, uh, but we called it. And, and when we got back to the ground, we both agreed that one uh, right decision two. Uh, we weren't embarrassed or humiliated at all. We mm-hmm. felt like, man, we're armed with this whole new toolkit so that the next time we throw ourselves at it, I feel like we're going to get it. It was the most rewarding failure I think I've ever had in my life. It was awesome. Just like people feel stressed about money, we understand digital growth can also feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. 
But it doesn't have to feel this way for you because you can join the Digital Growth University to gain clarity through education, to overcome the fear of the unknown. Build your team's courage with a growth strategy to eliminate the fear of change and increase your confidence with coaching to remove the fear of failure. Visit digitalgrowth.com university to apply. You know, as you're talking through that, I'm going to take a couple of points and dive deeper into them and then apply them back into financial brand leadership, particularly through yep. the lens of digital growth and digital transformation. You mentioned the longer that you went on, the more tired that you became, the more fatigued, the the likelihood of, of, of mistakes, which could obviously be very costly. I think about the marathons that I have run over the years and there's always that in between mile 18 and mile 22, it's it's the proverbial yeah. wall. And at that point, you kind of make a decision of like, I got to really commit to this. And it's more mental than it is physical. I see a lot of that when it comes to organizations, particularly at a leadership level, who begin down a path to maximize and level up their digital growth that yep. when we set out to this we got to realize that yeah there's a technical component to this but there's also this this mental thing as well this mindset what i took from your narrative here is depending upon how you look at things it's the 40 percent success rate or the 60 percent failure rate and when we think about digital transformation quote, quote unquote at a macro level and you, you know you can go read McKinsey and BCG and you know Accenture and all the big consulting firms and they're all saying the same exact thing 60 to 85 percent of digital transformation initiatives either fail or fail to, to deliver on expectation yep but what you said I think is the key takeaway for the dear listener those who are in the 40 percent of success were most likely at one point in the 60 percent of failure they just were committed to do it again and to do it again and to do it again and like you said you now have the experience and the skill set and the tools to then apply this to the next iteration going forward so as you you, as you think about this as a leader and just some of the experiences that we have experienced now to start this decade where might there be a practical application to look at digital growth, digital digital transformation, transformation of really any kind for that matter, whether it be cultural or brand, because you're coming from a marketing lens from your background. Change is hard. Change is painful. Change is going to be wrought with failure. How do we push beyond the pain of change, beyond the pain of failure, to give it a next go around. What does it take to make that a reality? Because I think so many of us try and we might not even try. We might just dabble because you did go through a training run. You did actually attempt to scale, but how do we push beyond the pain of change? I think there's tons of sort of overlapping analogies with the experience that we had on LCAP and change management, digital transformation, organizational transformation, it does come back to mindset, Mm. right? Like, do you, do you take a step back and say we failed or do you say, man, we learned so much. It's just going to make us so much better when we take another run at this thing, right? Not carrying around that failure, like baggage 
or getting emotionally attached to it, but almost being curious about it, right? Like with my uh, my partner in climbing, you know, we, this was a this was a team decision, and the team the team you know would succeed together. Yeah, it would fail together. We each brought strengths and weaknesses. You know, he's young and strong, and I'm older and more experienced. And so, like, when technical challenges would arise, I had the experience to kind of tackle some of those. When something just required a young and strong person to, like, push through something, then then he could do that. But in the end, neither one of us, I mean, we talked about it, neither one of us w- was even as strong as we wanted to be in our respective areas yeah. to to meet with success. But when we talked it through, I mean, we, we went to... Uh, we went to the Awani Hotel in Yosemite after the route and sat there and had a beer with a notepad and we were writing down, okay, what's the next steps, yeah. right? And so, you know, I, I think applying it right back to what you're talking about, organizational and digital transformation, like not getting hung up on, hey, we didn't summit, but like sitting down and going, okay, what did we learn? What are the next steps? How do we make this successful? Because I think you're absolutely right. And and I love the way uh, you, you applied that ratio to like the McKinsey studies and all that kind of stuff where, yeah, it makes total sense. It's not like the 40% that were successful were just, you know, they came out of the gate, they didn't have a problem, and then they just, they summited first time, right? Yeah. They probably had to make a bunch of runs at it, a bunch of mistakes, learn a lot, and uh, and grow and develop along the way. I, I I think it's a it's a perfect analogy in so many ways. One word that you mentioned in your reflection, curiosity, and that idea of of essentially being a curious kindergartner, going back to the days when we're young. What happens to you know to go from being a curious kindergartner? to getting trapped in the cave of complacency that prevents or prevents us from, from moving forward and, and creates a bit of a, a pseudo safety because it's a very dangerous place to be trapped because we, we can't grow in the cave. Um, we actually yes. probably die a slow death there. How, how can we transform that complacency into continuous curiosity going forward into the next decade? Curiosity is one of the key dimensions on the moxie leadership team that we're constantly trying to foster and and i think you know that that is another mindset right it can be so so easy to uh kind of rest on our expert knowledge sort of get comfortable in the place that we're at and in a lot of ways you know i've seen other organizations where folks are maybe a little fearful to step outside their comfort zone. Mm. I think fear can be a big inhibitor to that curiosity as well too, right? In our discussions on kind of, I mentioned this emerging new leadership team we have here, a lot of what we've had to do on the team is to, is to, it, it's sort of like leadership class, not like I'm teaching it, but together as a team, we're learning you know, what are the qualities of an exceptional leader? What are the qualities of a high performing team? And I, you know, I, I think 
curiosity has become one of those just core tenets of what we have to be because without that curiosity, you know, we're, we're not going to continue to learn to grow and to push ourselves. And it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a great question in terms of how do you, how do you continue to foster that curiosity and not fall into, I love the cave of complacency because it's so easy to do. Mm. And, And I hate to say it in, in, in the credit union industry and you, you see quite a bit of that mm. right yeah. where man we, you know it was good enough in 1990 so it's good enough now right and and the simple fact is is it's not we we better grow and evolve and change and that pace at which we learn uh is move is going ever faster and we better we better keep on that curve otherwise we're not going to be around. When I first got into credit unions, there were 14,000 credit yep. unions in the country. Yep. Now there's less than 5,000. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, it's complacency in a world full of exponential change driven by exponential technologies. I think we lack the perspective. Like you said, when you got into this and I've been doing, I've been in, in the financial services vertical now for 20 plus years myself and how much has transformed? I use 1994 as a horizon line because that's when the internet reached the mass consciousness of, of, of humanity. And, yep. and now we're in this age of AI. It's very hard to perceive what is happening and how fast it's going to happen if we leap ahead to 2030 and look back to this point in time. And that's where it's like, I think transformation must begin within. It must begin within the self, then the yep. team, and then the organization, and if you look at the struggle of transformation, it's because we've tried to transform at an organizational level and then push that down into teams and then from teams into individuals, but then there's the conflict within the individual that they lack the perspective or why we're even doing this to begin with in the first place. So I, I want to get your take on this because you know when you think about leadership in a period of economic uncertainty – where people feel maybe confusion and conflict and chaos, both internally within the organization, but also externally with account holders and with members. Number one, what are the threats that we need to be aware of here going forward into the future because I feel like we're just in, we're going to be in this period of uncertainty for a couple of years so we might as well get comfortable being uncomfortable. I, I love the way you just laid that out. The fact that transformation begins, you know, within first, then to the team, then to the organization, that is so key because to lead an organization in uncertain times and through really big structural transformational changes the everyone has to believe that you're on this journey with them right that this isn't a a i you know sit at the top of the pedestal and you know point and bark directions at people and you know what they should be doing it's you know i'm going back to the navy analogy i'm on the ship with everybody. I mean, we're all on the same boat together Yeah. and you know, I'm, I might have a role to play, but in reality, my role is 
honestly no more important than any anyone else's role right um my role is to obviously help set the vision yep. and guide people with some clarity let them know what's ahead and where we're heading uh but it's no more important in my mind than the teller who is having that conversation with the member across that 12 inch space of counter right right right. and having that humility really starting that transformation within cultivating you know some of those dimensions we talked about like curiosity uh certainly humility um and and then sort of living it breathing it demonstrating it bringing it to the team and then the team helps guide the organizational transformation is is definitely definitely the the way to go uh you know otherwise um you know if 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 people see that you're you're not in it with them none of us are that good at acting or faking you know it just it just comes through right this is my philosophy anyway for me as a leader it has to start with me i have to i have to eat my own cooking I have to believe what I'm preaching and, and I have to believe it with every fiber of my being. And, and if I don't, nobody's going to follow me and the organization is not going to be able to transform. We're going to engage in a bunch of activities that feel like progress, but really get us nowhere. Yeah. And that's almost like, you know, when, when you're climbing up a mountain, you feel like you're making progress. You feel like you're moving up, but then you realize when you look back down at where you come from, you're kind of still at the same point. It's a <laughs> bit of a, it's a bit of inertia, and that can be very demoralizing. That can be very frustrating. And I think you know you mentioned clarity, and this brings us almost back full circle to how we started this conversation around learning and being a lifelong learner. And you mentioned the the learning and the training that you did to prepare for your climb. You just didn't go out and climb. You prepared for it. Then you made the attempt and then you reviewed, you reflected, you're learning through the experience to then ultimately you're going to go back and you're going to do it again. You're going to learn something else. Going through this cycle with intention of learning, thinking, doing, and reviewing is probably the best way to experience continuous growth in this period of uncertainty because the antithesis of clarity is confusion. And I think as leaders, the more that we can provide that clarity to those around us, the more that they will feel better Um, because they, they won't necessarily feel confused. And when you're stuck in that state of confusion repeatedly, well, that's going to lead to chaos and that's going to lead to conflict. So continuously providing that clarity, clarity then helps to increase the courage for people to commit to continue to move forward together as a team with with confidence. And on that note, I think a lot of this boils down to communicating help and hope. I've spoken frequently about those two subjects, both internally as well as externally. Like, you know, in periods of uncertainty, people are looking for help. People are looking for hope and hope often has to come before someone is able to receive help hope that there's something better than today 
as we begin to wrap up this conversation, looking out towards the future, even though it might feel a little bit murky, what are you feeling most hopeful and optimistic about going forward? Talk about bringing it full circle. The, um, the leadership that we have in the organization. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, approaching, I'm approaching the beginning of late stage career. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm already thinking about, I'm, I'm looking at the team, the leadership team that we have. And, and what I see is this is the future of the organization. Like I am, I'm going to be getting a gold watch and shuffling across the stage and (laughs) eating a piece of cake. And these are the folks that are going to uh, lead us into the future and, and build the moxie of the future. And man, when I look at them, they are, they are smart and driven and adaptable. And uh, you know, they got the right mindset, the right attitude, they're learning I think that applies to the leadership team here at Moxie, but I also think it applies, you know, more generally to younger people as a whole, right? And it's, um, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like about 10 years ago, I went through this phase where I was, you know, kind of grumpy and grousing about younger people. I don't know why, it was just this weird phase. But now everywhere I look, I just, I see you know, I, I see this generation of change makers and just really aspirational, smart, driven people yeah. who I think are going to make Moxie better. I think are going to make our society better. And, and I, I think there's great, great things ahead. And, and then maybe a little more closer to home in the credit union and maybe a little more strategic or almost tactical though the way technology is changing i i feel like we've gotten over like a little bit of a hump yeah like technology was this great expense that you had to incur and it was really hard for a smaller organization to kind of get on that on that wave but now man you you think about just the explosion in the movement to to cloud based mm-hmm. technology you think about you know the explosion of uh, apis and integration in the technological environment now a small organization smaller like a moxie with 80 people and a handful of branches we can afford to have the same technology that like bank of america has yeah and and to me and and AI and machine learning and that talent is out there, right? Yes. And we can have access to that talent. We can rent that talent. It almost feels like if you're a smaller organization and you have survived sort of the great consolidation up to this point, there's like this open field of opportunity. And 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 that's what I'm most excited about is in, in some ways, even being smaller, we can be more nimble. You know, we can absolutely we can make this decision in an afternoon to implement a technology and do it the next day. Yes. Right. And, and that I'd, I'd say those are probably the two biggest things I'm most excited about this, this sort of evolution in technology coupled with this new generation of leadership that's coming up. I think it's going to be Katie bar the door. And uh, you know, when that time comes for me to get the gold watch, I'm going to, sit on my rocking chair at the farm with my glass of iced tea and just uh, watch the show. I think it's, 
I think it's going to be amazing. Well, it, it is, and I think you're on to two key points in really this idea of technology through decentralization, through the fact that what is now available to connect different platforms with API, and then you got the whole AI automation, machine learning, that's a huge capability upgrade. You mentioned being able to, to rent talent. That's a whole mental thing episode that I have around a a book called who not how with Dan Sullivan because it's you know I think a lot of times as leaders we we trap ourselves and we prevent our own future growth thinking well how are we going to do that that's a great idea but how if we can begin to think who before how it's there's this whole who capable and who could be another person who could be technology as well? These are small mental hacks that if we just create a greater sense of awareness, the future really is bright, particularly for, we'll call them community financial brands because the capability has leveled the playing field. And it all comes down to how we perceive the world around us. And that requires us to continuously be learning like a curious kindergartner. Shane, on that note, as, yep. we, as we wrap up here, I always like to send the dear listener away with something practical that they can do next to guide them forward on their own journey of growth. As all growth begins with a small, simple step, a commitment today. What is one thing that they can do to continuously be a curious kindergartner to see the world through different lenses than maybe how they perceived them before? You know, I, I think... Uh what we talked about uh, I think earlier in the podcast is so key, like really intentionally just finding that space to reflect and it has to be daily. Yeah. It has to be quiet. It has to be technology free. And, and I think that's where you start to cultivate that curiosity, right? Mm. When you sort of uh, quiet the noise and really start to reflect and, and, and I think having some reflection questions, a key one for me is always, if I could do anything different today, what would it have been, right? And then going back and then thinking about that and unpacking that a little bit. That's, it, it's, it sounds simple, but uh, for me, it, it's, uh, it's just a part of how I lead and, and it's a very profound exercise. I'm in 100% agreement with you to have questions that guide the thinking. Because I think particularly for individuals and leaders and teams that have never created that space and time to objectively review and reflect their progress, just saying sit down and think about it, it's very intimidating. It's very overwhelming, which is why if, if, if with your permission, can I add on to this thought here to give a little bit more Please framework? Do. Yeah. yeah. This is something that, I, that I'm sharing and banking on change. And it's one simple question that I have taught now thousands of times. But the question is this, at the end of every day, ask yourself, what went well? Yes. And this is an acronym. Because acronyms run around like like crazy in digital growthopia, because it's the only way this ADD mind can remember something. Mm-hmm. Well, as an acronym, winning. What were your three wins for the day, or what was your biggest win for the day? So that's the past. 
excited and energized? It's like right now in the present moment, with everything going on around you, what are you feeling most excited and energized about? Like what's giving you energy? I think just just paying homage to that, at least drawing some intentionality to it. So that's the present. So we've gone past, we've gone present. We're going to stay in the present. Lessons learned. Thinking about everything I did today, what's one thing that I've learned? And then also future focused. Looking, looking forward to tomorrow. What am I looking forward to most accomplishing tomorrow? And in in that essence, essentially, we're beginning to live our next day before we even have experienced that. And from all of the research that I've done, if we can get that general sense of a framework to live that next day, to gain some clarity into what I'm looking forward to most accomplishing most tomorrow, that's always giving me some hope. That's always giving me some optimism going forward into the future. You have uh, changed my pasture walks forever. Well, I'm so happy that I've been able to do that. I'm also happy that you've been able to share your knowledge, your perspective, your experience that you've had on your own journey of growth, Shane. As as we wrap up, what is the best way for someone to connect with you if they just want to say hello and continue the discussion we started here? I'm on LinkedIn. That's always a good way to go. Email address is first initial, so S, last name, Saunders, at M-O-C-S-E dot O-R-G. Connect with Shane, learn with Shane, grow with Shane. Shane, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.